Hello and welcome to the Wonder Women segment of the Maker Mom podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I am the host of this podcast. Every week I bring you the interview of a new female or non-binary rock star maker and tell you uh, the story about their journey into making and uh, how they're rocking it right now. This week's episode is with EJ of Hurricane Woodwork. And before we hop into the podcast interview, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much. Bonnie Tool Mom Bonnie, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Amy Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaimed Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Design, thank you all so very much. I appreciate your ongoing support over on Patreon. And uh, make sure you stick around so you can find out how you can support the podcast going forward. All right, let's hop on into the episode with EJ. people introduce themselves on the podcast uh so let's just kind of start there uh who are you <laughs> hello everybody uh my name is ej duff hyphen burger my uh parents were never married but i still got my own name hyphenated at 18 um but i was named for my great aunt betty um she was awesome she was a vet in world war ii old school lesbian i take after her a lot um <laughs> And yeah, I, uh, I started woodworking really seriously about five years ago. I did like a couple wood shop classes in high school, but really that's like the extent of my background. I went to college. I went to Dickinson in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and I got a very, very useful degree in sociology. Um, and I'm a huge information junkie. I love to learn anything and everything like if there's something I don't know I find a way to figure it out and learn about it and so I have like a gigantic stack of books on stuff that I'm like why do I know this like why <laughs> um I'm also an animal junkie I have eight pets I have four cats three dogs ten fish and a horse uh they are my life I have been with my horse for 15 years and everyone else has come into my life since then. Um, I have a 19-year-old male dog that we genuinely have no idea how he's still alive. Uh, he's a pit, <laughs> so he should not have lived that long, and yet here he is. And he's he has his moments of being delightful. Otherwise, he's just a grumpy old man. He's like that war veteran who like sits on his porch with a gun, and he's like, get off my lawn. Yes. Like, Why? <laughs> that guy. Um, yeah, so I mean that's that's the crux of me. I uh I've been with my partner for 5 years. Um 
I think it'll be five years this November. We both forget our anniversary constantly, so I don't feel too guilty that I genuinely don't remember what year we're on. Um, and yeah, so that's that's me. I, that's I also, okay. I'm genderqueer. Uh, I'm a Jew, sort of. I'm a really bad Jew, like the worst, the worst Jew. <laughs> genetically Jewish. <laughs> I am not even adjacent to religious, um, but I am spiritual, so I guess call it what you will. Um, yeah, I I get really obsessive about things. Yeah, okay. Like okay. anything that I'm like newly into, I get like obsessively into it. And then <laughs> I've, I've always been kind of fickle because I really love like a bunch of different things. And I, like I said before, I love to learn. So mm-hmm. I tend to bounce from thing to thing and actually woodworking this is the longest I've been with anything other than horses so (laughs) you're hoping it sticks (laughs) well um fantastic uh introduction and I will say you being an uh, animal lover means you will not mind the uh the furry co-hosts that are part of the podcast Um, no please the occasional, uh, the four-month-old kittens who occasionally pop in, and um, <laughs> and I have a grumpy old man dog as well, but he is only ten Love years it. old. Yeah, gotcha. uh, <laughs> we have a shop rat somewhere. In somewhere. Here. there is there is a rat <laughs> in my shop. That <laughs> the first time I saw it, I actually like I grew up in a horse barn, but the first time I saw this rat. I stood up and screamed. <laughs> like, this rat is the size of a cocker spaniel, and I lost my mind. I was like, oh no. And it That's ran right at me. And I was like, I am out. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm That's done. right. I I'm can't. surprised you're back in the shop. I would have just like oh my God. put it up for sale or whatever. This rat was so big. <laughs> and I was like eating a PB and J and he was like, You gonna share that? And I was like, oh <laughs> why? I'm so upset. Um, All right. So you're in Pennsylvania. You grew up in Pennsylvania? Sort of. I actually moved around a lot. Um, I was born in Philly and I lived in Philly until I was seven. And then when my dad passed, uh, my mom moved us up to Vermont where my mom's sister and brother-in-law were. So then I lived in Vermont for like 16 years. And then I went to boarding school in Maine for two years. And then I moved back to Pennsylvania and went to college in in Carlisle and then um, moved home for a year after I graduated and then came to Philly. And I've been in Philly for about seven years now. Okay. Um, So you've been woodworking for five years. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what got you besides, you know, the couple of shop classes, what got you into woodworking? Yeah. So I, um, I was working as a dog walker and I'd been doing that for like three years and then I needed extra money. So I picked up, um, a side hustle with a guy who owns a construction company and given that I've been horseback riding for 30 years, my spine and my knees were like, cool. So demolition work? No. <laughs> and I was like, but it's good money. Like it could work. And my body was like, yeah, um, no. 
like every time I would like bend down or like crouch my knees like the cartilage is completely gone so it just like grinds on itself and after I demo demoed a bathroom in so like there's a neighborhood called Fishtown in Philly and it's like all of the buildings in Philly are like four stories tall but there are no elevators in anything like mm -hmm. ever unless it's new construction so I demoed this bathroom on the fourth floor by myself and had to carry all of the removable tile. Like I had to take all that out by myself. And it was like 2000 pounds of tile. And after toting that down four flights of stairs, I was like, cool. So consider this my notice. This is terrible. And I'm out. Uh, love you. Appreciate the opportunity. Bye. So I quit that. And then, um, I had, you know, I had bought tools and I'd been given tools by this guy who became one of my best friends. Um, he gave me like my first set of like construction tools, like a bag and a crowbar and a hammer and a little like Ryobi six and a half inch circular saw. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like my starter kit. And I had like, you know, random odds and other ends. Um, and then... I was like, all right, well, I've got these tools. Like, what the hell am I going to do with them? So then I was like, all right, well, I need, we really need a shoe rack. So I went and I found a pallet and I did like all the research on like pallets and like heat treated versus like all the other crap that you can find mm -hmm. and like hardwood versus softwood taught myself about that. Like I knew nothing. Like I knew nothing so I like looked into all this stuff and I was like all right so I want heat treated I want it to be you know I want it to be eco-friendly I don't want to poison myself I don't want to poison my pets um because I was also working in my basement which is like 200 square feet maybe and really dark there is mm -hmm. one light bulb it is like it, it's like the basement out of the shining it's <laughs> terrifying <laughs> Like, it's so creepy. Like, the walls are definitely, like, old plaster with brick behind the plaster, but the plaster is, like, coming off, so the brick is exposed, and it, like, the whole place just looks like it's falling down around you. So, I'm in there doing my woodworking, and I was like, all right. So, I get, you know, all the information I need as far as, you know, what to do with a pallet, and then um, I literally just used the circular saw and the hammer and the... And I bought like a little palm sander, like the world's crappiest palm sander. And it took forever. It literally, it <laughs> took so long. But I was like, why in the devil did I do this? But I was like, it's cool. I needed it. And it's good for the environment. And I was like really proud of myself. <laughs> so I think I spent like probably 15 hours on that first shoe rack. Like an aggressive amount of time. And it's literally six pieces of wood. Like it is six pieces of wood screwed together. And, oh, and I had bought myself a drill and driver set by Makita, which I absolutely loved. And so, you know, I spent 15 hours on it and then put it up in my house. And my girlfriend was so excited. And so I was like, cool, now what? And then I like made a little table and then my best friend saw my shoe rack and she was like, Oh, I want one. So then I started selling them for, she like gave me the idea to sell them on Etsy. And I started selling them for like $45, 15 hours. $45. <laughs> <laughs> and my best friend was like, okay, so we really need to talk. Like, 
we really have to talk about how much you're charging for these things because $45, just no, like right. you have to raise your prices. And I was like, but I wouldn't pay more than $45 for a shoe rack. And I was like, I know, sweetie, and you are not your target market. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what that means. And she was like, oh my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> So then she and I like sat down basically and had a little business meeting. And then over the next like four years, she just constantly berated me to raise my prices. Like every time I made something, she was like, okay, so how much are you asking for that? And I like told her some like absurdly low price. And she was like, cool, so we're just going to double that. And then, and I was like, but that seems greedy. And she was like, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so that, you know over time it just kind of grew and blossomed and I think I've sold like 200 shoe racks at this point and after the first 40 my best friend finally convinced me to actually raise the prices which my first price range mind you was from $45 to $65 and she was like I'm going to kill you (laughs) sorry so that was that was that so I would hope it takes you less time uh, than 15 hours now to make a shoe it definitely does (laughs) because my first big purchase was the rigid 13 inch planer which I literally had until like last month um so yes uh, I'd (laughs) replaced the blades on it several times but because definitely you learn do not feed a piece of pallet wood through the planer when there's still a nail in it, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. I learned the hard way. And you should have seen that blade. <laughs> it was like, I'm I was sure. Like, See, I wonder why there's a giant unplaned section in this piece of wood. Well, <laughs> EJ, that is because you fed a freaking nail through the planer and it destroyed the blade. Good job. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah. So I learned that lesson. Um, but yeah, literally every poor decision I've made I've I've learned from and that's been my learning curve it's been aggressive it's been a really intense one but it's it's working out (laughs) nice is I mean is woodworking like your sole job now I mean is that it is nice yeah yeah it's like I technically according to my taxes turned a profit last year by like not much but I turned a profit so I was like all right all right year four I see Mm -hmm. you yeah, I see. I, I made a hundred dollars of profit last year, so that's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Congratulations! Thank you. So I totally understand the struggle yeah, is real. <laughs> it really is. This business—it's like you know—I grew up in the horse world, and I was just talking to someone the other day about how like like this guy he knew was trying to make a lot of money in the horse world. And I was like, you're in the wrong business, dude. Like you're not, this is not where you go when you want to make money. And I'm tragically learning that lesson twice in woodworking. (laughs) You're just like, God damn it. I thought I was getting into something that would be lucrative. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Nope. Nope. Well, I mean, hopefully it will, right? You continue to raise those, uh, those prices. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And I've I've gotten to a point where I actually have a really good pricing structure and I'm proud of my pricing structure because, you know, part of my other thing in starting this business was that I didn't want to be one of those, like, I don't know, like people who charge so much money that it prices everyone out. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, like I got into this because I was really upset with the way that capitalism works and how it continually disenfranchises particularly minority communities, black communities, Latino mm -hmm. communities, um, queer communities, you know, like it, it continuously disenfranchises us at really unequal rates. And it just, it's, it's crap, you know? And so I got into this because I wanted to be able to make life affordable in a way that I could be self-sustaining without being that guy. You know, like I didn't want to be, I don't know, you know, like straight white guys always get like some little amount of money and they try and figure out how to turn it into so much more money. And usually, unfortunately, that happens by screwing over other people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do that. Like I, you know, I didn't want to be that guy. So I have made my, my pricing structure. It, I think it's pretty unique. You know, I, I have, you know, the whole hourly wage and I have the whole, you know, materials costs and everything mm -hmm. factored in. And then I have, you know, like I factor in a, a profit margin, but my profit margin changes, you know, and I don't know if this is ethical or not, but for me, it makes sense. Um, you know, my profit margin changes depending on who I'm selling to. And like sometimes with certain people, like I will veto the profit margin entirely, you know, like if, you know, for example, I did, I'm in the process of doing a bed frame for a really wonderful woman and her husband who um, run two nonprofits. So they also make no money at right. all. <laughs> like when you're, you know, like lesbians know when you work in the nonprofit industry, you're broke as hell for the rest of your life. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, it's like our calling. Um, but like, they're both queer. They just happen to be married to each other. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's fine. I'll do this bed frame for X amount of money. And she was like, oh my God, I love you. So, you know, and it's, it's enough that, you know, I'm paying myself for my time and I'm covering my costs on the, on the materials end, but I'm also not like, my business isn't making any money on it. You know, I'm not, right. I'm definitely not accruing any profit. I'm not putting away any savings from it, but I feel good about that because she's a member of my community. She, you know, is dedicating her life to helping other people. And like, why can't I, you know, veto my own profit margin to give back to someone like that? Mm -hmm. And so like in those instances, like I, I really, I've worked really hard to be where I am and I've worked really hard to, I don't know, run the kind of business that I want to run. And I don't ever want to be one of those people who's, when I eventually have an employee or multiple employees, I don't ever want them to look at me and go, you know what? Like you're really nice and everything. And like, you're kind of cool, but like, this isn't how you run a business. Like you don't underpay the people who are doing the physical labor for you. Mm -hmm. Like that's just shitty. So I don't know. I've, I've really worked to have my profit margin and my general pricing structure try to reflect that even now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I guess do you like do you predominantly I guess do you search out people from minority communities to help serve in that way um or Absolutely. okay yeah so uh, like my my employees I've I don't have any actual employees right now but um I have independent contractors that I work with and I have, you know, like I've taken on a couple of apprentices over the last couple of years. 
um, or I should say the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always some member of the minority community. Like, I'm sorry, but straight white men have enough of an upper hand. Like they're mm-hmm. good. So they can go get a job literally from anyone else. Um, <laughs> right. And like if they're really, if they're really nice guys, like I am friends with two straight white men. <laughs> So, I'm not a bigot, guys. I have straight white male friends. They're few and far between, but they do exist. That does not make me bigoted. <laughs> Maybe a little, but um, no, I'm just kidding. So, no, I, but I do have like a couple of straight guy friends who are, you know, white guys and they both are in the construction world or in, you know, like the guy who gave me my first job, he's a straight white guy. Um mm-hmm. And then I, I recently met another straight white guy this year who uh, we became like fast, fast friends. And like, I have another, I guess I have three straight white male friends. Um, <laughs> but I have another in, uh, in Arizona who I'm very fond of. Um, but, and they're all like really genuine, great guys who I've like thoroughly vetted and totally put them through their paces. Right. <laughs> on like, okay, so ideologies, here we go. Um, but yeah, no. So it's my employees. I definitely make a very conscious effort to, I don't know, employ someone who wouldn't automatically get that opportunity. Right. And I'm a part of a different, I'm a part of a couple different groups for like women in woodworking and female mm-hmm. woodworkers and tradesmen and all that jazz. Um, yeah. But like I have a queer female uh, electrician who I work with whose dog I actually used to walk which is just like an amazing coincidence um and then I have you know like a couple of apprentices who are women one is white one is black um and you know so it's I I do my best because mm-hmm. so, I think it's important yeah yeah exactly um that's going to kind of lead into like my other question was going to be I've had this this conversation about access a lot mm-hmm. um, where I struggle too. where, you know, and, and my wife will actually even say sometimes like I'll make something and then, you know, put a price on it. And she's like, but nobody can afford that. And it's like, yeah. but, but we're not my, my demographic. We're not who yeah. I'm making this for. And so Absolutely. I've gone the route of, and, and others have gone the route of like, okay, we need to make a living, right? And so mm-hmm. off of this, or that's our hope anyways, is to make a living right, off right. of it. Um, so or at least be able to do this and not have three additional jobs. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yep. So if that's going to be, you know, how we have to sell in order to make this viable, then how I create access is through creation of content and through teaching Mm -hmm. and through saying, okay, if so, if, if person X, Y, Z could never afford what I make, then I'll teach them how to make what I make so that it's something they can create for themselves. Um, Has that ever been something like a path you've uh, considered going down? All right, I'm super excited for this week's sponsor. This week's sponsor is Tool Mom Bonnie or Tool Mom and Company. 
So Tool Mom and Company is for all ages, genders. Uh, they have what you need for your one-stop tool-related merchandise of gifts or clothing or both. Um, her products are fun, fashionable, one-of-a-kind. And you can check her out at www.toolmomstore.com or find her on Instagram under Tool Mom Bonnie and Bonnie's B-O-N-N-I-E. Uh, you can receive an extra 20% off at checkout by using the coupon code MAKERMOM. So I have two of her mugs. I have one that says, I believe, what is it? Oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> One is like the definition of a tool woman, and the other one is just like a circular saw with flames coming off of it, and I believe it says uh, Go Girl on it, and they're super fun mugs. I, w I love drinking coffee out of them in the morning. If it's not out of my Wonder Woman mug, it is out of one of those two mugs, so you definitely should at least check out the mugs, if nothing else. And remember, extra 20% off at checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. All right, thank you, Tool Mom Bonnie, and let's get back to the episode. Yeah, it's one that I'm actually considering pretty intensely right now. Um, so content creation was never something that I even thought about because mm -hmm. in my mind, like, I was always like, okay, but there's so much out there. Like, there's already so many people and amazing people who make amazing things. So why am I going to add to that? Like, what am I going to add? Mm -hmm. Like, what is like, what is going to make it worth it for me to add this, this thing to the internet that, you know, it's like every time you write a line in a, a paper or in a book or whatever, that line has been written at least 50 times. So why right should someone read my work or why should someone watch my YouTube video or why should someone watch me just because I'm gay? Like just because I'm a female, like just because, you know, I think, like, okay, I fine. think it's representation matters. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I 100% agree with you that representation does matter. I guess for me, my hang up was always like, okay, like it's a lot of effort. Like, it's a lot of extra steps. It's a lot of extra explaining. And, like, I would love to teach a class. I would love to have people physically in my space. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously not right now with right. COVID. But um, just in general, like, I always love teaching. And I would love to do that in my physical space. But I guess, you know, I, I didn't really see the point in putting it on the Internet just because, you know, like, it's already there someone's right. already done it so why you know I mean maybe they have to search a little bit harder to find that one person who already did that one exact video and so there I guess is my answer I should probably just do it and put it on the <laughs> internet to give multiple people multiple avenues of things to watch and maybe people don't want to watch another straight white dude do a video so like I'm here for that but maybe they do you know maybe gender <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> whatever um I don't know. So yeah, I've, I've been jockeying that idea around a lot and I've been thinking about it a lot more and I've, you know, been setting up my camera and, you know, trying to have the angle be what it is right now, which took me like a good couple minutes to figure out. <laughs> um, and just like videoing, you know, like what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and what my process is and what my layout is and, you know, how I'm navigating kind of breaking into this world, which is, I think, 
in a sense, more important than what I'm physically doing, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, like it's not, so I think that that's probably going to be the route that I take more in the content creation. Like, okay, yeah, I've made this cool thing. So have, you know, everybody else. So, you know, and I follow some really incredible guys, but like, how am I making a difference? How am I going about breaking into this boys club? Because it is, it is Mm -hmm. still very much a boys club. And anybody who's worked on a site or in a shop or anything, you know, Mm -hmm. with anybody else, like literally, even if it's just you and one other person, you know, that dude is going to explain some shit to you that you're like, I, I didn't actually need you to explain that. Right. (laughs) That that wasn't my question. You've gone on a tangent explaining uh-huh. <laughs> like every aspect of what got me to right here right <laughs> please just answer my actual question I'm begging you <laughs> oh but yeah so, I mean I think important You're yeah right, I think I think you answered kind of like your own question of like why you though um because I have found that even if I ask 10 different woodworkers to make a table you know and gave some just like general guidelines the table is going to come out 10 different ways that's true you know and they're going to use probably you know 10 different methods to make it um yeah and and so i guess through my podcast i have found even more so i mean i knew this anyways but representation truly matters and it has been proven like that especially women and i would say probably other i mean i would say probably any other you know marginalized group too wants to learn from somebody like them like it makes it more appeal more appealing and more it seems more real if i could go take you know and i and i still fall into that bucket like um makes it seem like something you can actually do right and to your point like I'll search out a class, like a, a woodworking class, if I'm going to do that, or like I have an interest in like blacksmithing or whatever. I'm going to look for the class that's taught by a woman versus taught yeah. by a man because I don't want the extra explanation of the things I already know. Right. <laughs> I want right. to be respected when I walk in that class that perhaps I actually know some things when I come there. Um, yeah. yeah. And so... I agree. There's a lot of amazing makers out there who have put stuff out on YouTube and making amazing stuff. You know, I'm not discounting the straight white guy at all. No, but, no. but I mean, he's had years and years of practice doing this. Right. His dad taught him. His dad taught him. You know, right. his dad's dad taught his dad. Right. <laughs> like, Jesus. All right. My dad didn't teach me shit. Right. He me on a horse. <laughs> So I'm not discounting that at all, but I think, you know, um, I don't know. I think it's just, it, it matters to see you doing something versus, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to like call out people, but like, uh, totally, you know, like the average white dude. Yeah. 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 Um, no offense to any of you average white dudes listening to this. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Sensitive. (laughs) Um, 
but I, I, I love that too, like you said, you know, you're taking on apprentices. That's something that I have a, a dream of doing, like partially a reason that I, t that I have said is, is okay, like to charge what I charge for certain pieces um, is to say, I need to become successful so that I can hire the people I want to hire to work for me and all of none of them are going to be straight white dudes i'm just gonna say right. like none of them yeah. are going to be straight white dudes <laughs> i mean like i said before there's plenty guys out there straight yes. white men there are plenty <laughs> of woodworkers who will give you a chance right not one of them that's right. so sorry that's right <laughs> my bad <laughs> um so you are do you predominantly make pieces like are you commissioned to make pieces predominantly or do you like make your yes. do you still have your Etsy store that you're making like your own pieces and stuff for yes and no so like my Etsy store because of space availability has always been made to order okay. so what I would do in order to like make something for the listing I would make things that I needed in my own house or that like my best friend needed or that, you know, mm -hmm. Joe Schmo down the block needed. And then I would take really good pictures, really, really good pictures. <laughs> you should see some of my early photography. It was terrible. Um, but I would take pictures and then my partner is a graphic designer. So I'm blessed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I send her my God awful photography. And then she yells at me for my god-awful photography. And then she edits my god-awful photography and makes it look halfway decent. When I send her a decent photo, she makes it look incredible. So I'm blessed. Um, but yeah, so I, I would make everything to order and I would post, you know, the photo of the finished product and then I'd be like, okay, and I can do it, you know, any color. And then when mm -hmm. I would make it in that different color, then I would take a picture of that and then I would post that. And that's how my Etsy works. Okay. Um, nothing, nothing on Etsy is ready to go ever. Um, and I have a minimum six week turnaround time for everything. If it's multiple projects in one order, mm -hmm. that six week turnaround time, <laughs> right. keeps, it just keeps going. <laughs> like I have, I got one order in March, like right at the start of COVID. Um, and she was like, okay, I want three plant tables and I want a credenza and I want what was the other thing? There was another mm -hmm. table, I think, or oh, bed frame. Oh, and bedside tables. So she did the bed frame right before COVID hit. I delivered it literally the day before we hit lockdown. And then she wanted two bedside tables to go with it, three plant tables and a credenza. And I was like, cool. I'm still not done the credenza. Everything else is done. <laughs> but, but that credenza is like, it is rough song over there <laughs> right mm -hmm. now. I'm like looking at it and I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. It'll mm -hmm. happen. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> but yeah, so then, you know, and everything is still, I really like the commission piece because I'm not fronting the money for a lot of the material. Mm -hmm. um, pretty much every penny of profit goes right back into this thing anyway. So, you know, either I'm buying a new tool or I'm stocking up on wood so that I right. have some stock for like the really odd gigs that I get like People are really, really into bath caddies right now. I think a lot of people are bathing more than normal. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like people are buying like a lot of bath caddies. And so I have like a small amount of like live edge, you know, bath caddy stock. 
mm-hmm. that's like between 30 and 40 inches and whatever. Um, but otherwise, I don't really have a huge stockpile of wood. I mean, I say as like underneath my bench is all just like random cut off material <laughs> and like other random like little live edge pieces that I've picked up here and there. And so like perfect for coffee tables. <laughs> So that's why that's part of why in my giveaway I was like, you get a coffee table because <laughs> I got I so much. Fine. Yeah, I tend to be a wood hoarder. Uh, right it's now bad. you can't you can't walk around my shop really. There's like yeah. a designated path that goes yep. like around the workbench yep. and like through the wood piles, and that's about it. <laughs> yep. On my last trip to the lumberyard, I came back with so much wood that my so I have a RAV4 and the back of the RAV4 you opened the door and it was floor to ceiling <laughs> wood and my lumber guy was like um I'm gonna need you to drive really carefully home because I'm genuinely afraid for your life right now and I was like I understand that because looking at this I feel like I may have gone a little overboard but I mean, it's already in there, right? So, and you're like an hour and a half away. So not gonna make multiple trips. And he was like, "Please buy a truck." <laughs> I'm begging you, please buy a truck. Like someday. And then I, I got back here and I like built this really, really shitty wood storage like situation it was terrifying my buddy came in who does construction with me and he was like "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. looks great (laughs) don't you build nice furniture and I was like you know I do (laughs) and he was like "Mm -hmm. you can tell (laughs) like just get out that's right I was like, look, buddy, construction is not my bag, okay? I can't build a wall. Like, I, I just can't do it. Like, I can't. I'm terrified of framing. Like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm also, Whatever. like, anyway. not good at building shop furniture. Like, I think it's, it's more... Like, it's hard. Well, and it's just, like, I'd rather spend my time making something else that I, like, that's going to be yeah. pretty, not something that right. I'm going to, like, intentionally, like, damage Demolish. through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My my current bench top seriously looks like I've taken multiple saws and a hammer to it on purpose. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I I didn't. It was an accident. Sorry. <laughs> I like, have I many... didn't set the depth on my track saw right. Yeah. <laughs> like gouged like gigantic holes. I I would expect. Yeah. See, I get that though. Like, that's it's terrible. It's but so it makes sad. sense, right? It's it's a workbench. Makes total sense. <laughs> totally valid. Totally valid. So you have, obviously you're not in a basement anymore. I can tell, you know, by looking that you're not in the basement anymore. I am not. It's pretty phenomenal. I moved in here last June. Um, when last June I got an order for four 22-foot live-edge countertops and a conference table and I was like cool I can't do that here so I have to move and I guess I'll figure that out and I by some luck met 
Matt. Um, and he, you know, like he emailed me out of the blue and was like, hey, I heard, you know, from so-and-so that you're looking for a shop space. I have this space. You want to come look at it? And I was like, yeah. So I came and I looked and I was like, this is dope. And I had it like in the worst setup on the planet, literally until like a month ago when everything was stolen and I had to replace everything. And I was like, I'm going to reorganize. Like this seems like now this is the time. And uh, yeah, I love it now. It's mm-hmm. like my favorite place. I sometimes just come here and like sit and like draft and I have this cute little stool that I'm sitting on mm-hmm. and my bench is great. I can't wait to redo the top of it, but that's my last like shop project for a minute that like I want to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to, you know, my buddy Chris is moving out of here at the end of August. Um, and then I'll be flying solo on this space. So it's kind of like I'm, moving again almost Mm -hmm. because I'll be adding about 300 square feet to my space um, which is pretty exciting right now Mm -hmm. the whole space itself is 610 square feet um, and I have like two-thirds of it because he does construction so he just uses this place for um, tool storage gotcha and yeah so I'll be taking over the rest of the space and I'll be getting a table saw and then that, you know, between the table saw and my shop bench top, those are my last additions to this space. And I'm beyond pumped. Yeah, that's awesome. I love, I love my space. I love it. That's awesome. And I may or may not be building a wall between, (laughs) not to sound like our dear, dear president, but, um, there's a my shop space is very open on mm-hmm. the one side which is great for I mean I like the feel of it make my space feel even bigger mm-hmm. um but security wise it's it's not the most fortified as far as my space versus everyone else's and like no one else in here is going to touch my stuff but um we were you know just robbed so having an added door would be a so- good good <laughs> investment for me I think so yeah, so uh, what happened there? What uh, did ev- did the whole space really get robbed? <laughs> yeah, so we like our our space is in the worst street in the worst neighborhood in Philadelphia. <laughs> like, of course it is. <laughs> like, I honestly like I can't I can't even fully explain to you how bad this neighborhood is like and I love Philly I love Philly I love my city I love the people I love that you know our tagline is the week will be killed and eaten like I think this city is awesome like it's rough around the edges it's abrasive it's me in a city and I love it but this neighborhood needs some work uh there is an aggressive amount of drug use um there is a lot of gang issues um and really it's just a lot of people struggling to survive um mm-hmm. so like this this neighborhood needs some love um and like a lot of it so much um anyway so our shop space the way that it's set up is you know we have a human door that has two locks on it and then that leads into a hallway and then there's another human door that has two locks on it and that was fine. Um, 
but then our, our loading dock door is a gigantic industrial sliding steel uh, or whatever door. Yeah. Um, and the way that we had it locked was we had two hinges that flipped on the sides to prevent people from being able to pull it out off the wall and one lock in the middle, which we thought was enough. Turns out not so much because they put a sawzall through the wall and the door, cut the hinge, sent some tiny skinny person through to unlock it, opened the doors, drove a big ass truck in here, closed up the doors, loaded everything up and drove back out. And we didn't have an alarm system. We didn't have cameras. We didn't have like anything because we were just like, well, it's like Fort Knox. Like who's getting it? Right, right. So now it really is Fort Knox and it takes like 10 minutes to get in and out of the building, which is frustrating. But at least, you know, our stuff won't be stolen. And now we all have insurance, you know, like my. <laughs> I was going to ask that, like, yeah. did you have Now we do. <laughs> Because again, four docs, who's getting in? So, yeah. Um, you know, now I have general liability as well as, you know, insurance for theft um, and fire. Mm -hmm. uh, and now so does everybody else. But there were six, there's six guys, like there's six of us in here total. Um, and between all of us, we lost about $90,000. Um, it came out to about 15 each. So... It's been a very crazy month. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of moving parts, a lot of stress, a lot of angst, and like general heartbreak just because, you know, like, it, I mean, they're just tools, but it was like my entire everything. Like right. I put my blood, my sweat, my tears, my life savings. It was my life savings, my income, and my retirement plan, and all of it was gone. Right. And I just like, like, and I woke up at like 7.30 to a call from Matt being like, hey. And I like, I panicked. And I was mm -hmm. like, I was like, Matt, can you check and see if my festival domino joiner is still there? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> that was my most expensive tool. Well, yeah. And he, and he looked and he was like, no, it's all gone. And I just sobbed. I was like, okay. And I cried for like 10 minutes. And then I realized that Matt hadn't called my buddy Chris, who also shared the space with me. And so I called Chris and I like pulled myself together and I was like, oh shit, I have to call Chris. And my partner was like lying next to me and she was like, what is happening? Like, why are you hysterical? And I was like, because it's all gone. Like, I don't even know, like, I don't even know how to handle this. So we all came in, you know, later that morning and talked to the cops and it was just like, it was bananas. And then it was like, it, to add insult to injury, like they, it, I don't think it was even the robbers at this point. Like, I think the burglars like left the doors open and mm -hmm. then the neighborhood drug addicts came in but there were like needles everywhere, like heroin needles were everywhere. They'd set up like a little space in the side, like in the empty space to like shoot up. And like, so there was just like this little commune area. It looked like a fire, you know, like a little fire pit. Right. Like you sit around a fire pit, except that there was nothing in the middle except a pile of dirty needles. 
and like they drank my beer like I was just like what What? like are you fucking kidding me so that was was just like wow um and of course you know we've we haven't found it I don't think we ever will I think that Mm -hmm. you know whoever we still don't know you know how they found out and how but they knew what they were here for um well, so yeah, I mean, that, that seems like a very yeah. organized crime right there. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I don't, under, like, it was, it was also very, I don't know, like, it was weird. It was very miracle, unexplained-esque in the sense that I had, you know, at the start of COVID, I changed my work schedule completely because I wanted to not be here when anybody else was here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like there's six guys sharing the space. So I would come at four and I would work until like two in the morning and then I would go home. And I felt fine about that because when I would get here, you know, it was still daylight. So right. it was fine. And then I'd leave at two in the morning and everyone was already asleep. You know, everyone was already too high to mess with me. So mm-hmm. like, and like the gang leaders were asleep and like, I felt, I felt fine with that like I was like all right whatever like it's a little nerve-wracking but like it's literally two in the morning so like no mm-hmm. one's awake and the day before my partner and I had like messed up our plan like we had double booked our like evening schedule and so we we rescheduled with her sister to hang out you know the next night instead so the next night instead of you know coming in at four I came in at nine and I worked until five or six I think I worked until six and then and then I went home for dinner and that night like we were hit and I was like I don't understand like I should have been there Mm -hmm. like I there's no reason that I shouldn't have been there like I should have been there so like I like what happened like why wasn't I there and so it's you know and you know, my best friend is, is very, very religious. And, um, she was like, that's God. That's God. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, is it? <laughs> I'm not sure. She was like, God just needed you out the way. And I was like, okay, but, but I don't believe in God. And she was like, that's okay though, because I believe in God. And you know how, like, when you are best friends with someone, their family adopts you. And I was like, yes. She was like, well, God's my father. So God adopted you because you love me. And I was like, I don't think that's how that works. And she was like, she was like, EJ, that's definitely how that works. And I was like, okay. (laughs) We'll go with it. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Fine. And then, you know, like after I posted about it and like all these donations came in and people started sending tools from like, like literally people from Canada have been sending me tools. Like it's been incredible. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yep, God needed to bless you. <laughs> like, like, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, yeah. So but anyway, that is good that you story. weren't there that night because, you know. That could, I mean, but have ended up really bad. <laughs> it really could. And like, you know, I've, because of that, I've deliberated a lot on whether or not to move my shop space to another part of town. Um, I was trying to find another space in another neighborhood, but 
you know, I'm very much priced out of all of the other neighborhoods in mm-hmm. Philly and, and really anywhere else, like even a different street I'm priced out of. So it's, you know, here I stay. Um, mm-hmm. But at any rate, you know, I, I still have to convince my girlfriends or my fiance, I should say, um, that, you know, I'm safe here because I come in in the morning and I leave by six and it's daylight and it's fine. And like, you know, in the winter, I'll move, I'll leave earlier and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but <laughs> she's like, so help me Jesus. If you are not That's home right. by eight, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I will be home. I swear to God. That's right. But yeah. All right, Egypt. Well, we're actually at the end of our time together. So yeah, I want to give you a chance to to, like let people know how they can find you on all of the interwebs. Yeah, absolutely. So across the the webs, the intergalactic spaces, uh, I am at Hurricane Woodwork, both on Philly and, or nope, that's a lie. Both on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my website is hurricanewoodwork.com. And I'm on Etsy, but pretty rarely at this point. Um, but you can also find my handle there as well. Okay, awesome. And I'll have the links to all of those in the show notes. Um, cool. So that will all be available. Though I have to ask, how'd you, Hurricane Woodworks, how'd that name come up? I got to know that. So, that was actually a nickname given to me by an old boss. So I worked at, like I said before, as a dog walker for a company in Philly. And one day, I was 22 when I started working for her. And I came into the office one day and I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a morning person in the sense that once I've had my coffee, I'm like, hi, how's yeah. it going? Oh my God, how are you? What are you up to? Well, how was your weekend? Like, what did you get up to? And she was like, oh my God, you are like a hurricane. <laughs> sit down like just, just sit down and so that you know after that day like she literally called me hurricane edge for ever like she still does um and so that became a nickname that I carried it's my personal Instagram handle hurricane edge um and because and the edge is is from Siri you know she put EJ into her phone and she did the voice to text thing and Siri was like, what would you like to say to edge stuff? And she was like, Oh my God. So, that's, that's how that all started. And so, you know, then when I, when I started this business, I was like hurricane edge, hurricane woodwork. Yeah. Cool. And so it just, I loved it. And yeah, I actually still have a little note that she wrote to me the day that she nicknamed me hurricane because she she was like, oh my God, you're like a natural disaster. You come in here and you just disrupt everything. And I was so hurt. I was like, what? <laughs> like my my the manager was like turned slowly to her and was like, seriously? <laughs> I, was like, I was like about to cry. And so she was like on a call and she like wrote me this note. And she was like, Hurricane Edge is not disruptive she is a naturally occurring disaster who's sometimes <laughs> a little wild but ultimately restores everything to the equilibrium and I was like thank you and I like, still have it so <laughs> that's the story there awesome awesome yeah well, well thanks for chatting with me today oh thanks so much for having me on it's been really fun yeah it has okay so again that was EJ with Hurricane Woodwork
You can check out the show notes and find out how you can uh, follow along with EJ, either going to makermompodcast.com, hitting podcast and finding uh, this week's show notes and all the previous week's show notes. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, I have links down below in the description for you to follow along with EJ. All right, if you are enjoying the podcast and want to help others find the podcast, you can go over to um, iTunes, leave a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like or dislike button and leave a comment down below. And more, and most importantly, make sure that whatever you are listening or watching to the podcast on, that you hit that subscribe button. So that's super easy, doesn't cost you anything, and really helps the podcast algorithm out. Now, if you want to up your game, join the podcast tribe, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash maker mom podcast. And there's several different tier levels you can join in with and uh, forgive the furry co-host blaze. All right. So there's a one, three and five dollar tier level that has different merchandise um, and also gets you a shout out at the start of every episode of the podcast. And then there is a brand new tier level, which is a $30 a month tier level that makes you an official sponsor of the podcast and gets you your very own ad spot. Now, those spots are limited uh, due to you don't want this podcast to be chocked full of um, sponsored ad posts. So uh, just know that those spots are limited to just a few. All right. Um, and then if you just want to, you know, get some merchandise, you can head on over to my design and make website, freemanfurnishings.com forward slash shop and get yourself a Maker Mom tea. All right. So this is Wednesday. I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your week. Happy hump day. And I will see you next week.